are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So we're in a series on the life of Joseph. Are you ready to talk about Joseph this morning? That did not sound very enthusiastic. But in order to talk about Joseph, today we have to talk about temptation. So are you ready to talk about temptation? More specifically, are you ready to talk about sexual temptation? (laughs) Uh, So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think with me, okay? About somebody you actually know. A real life story. Somebody that you know. And it may be you. But who comes to your mind when I say, do you know someone who gave in to temptation. And the consequences were very, very severe. So when I think about that question, somebody that I know personally who gave in to temptation and the consequences were very severe, a pastor, a friend of mine comes to my mind. He had a relationship with a younger woman in his church. When all of that came out and everybody found out about it, he lost his wife, he lost his credentials that would allow him to pastor a church, he lost his church, he lost the respect of a lot of people, and then a lot of other people lost a whole lot of stuff too. And if you said to me, what happened? How did his life just kind of come undone? How did everything just spin out of control? I would say to you, this is what happened. He did not resist temptation. He gave in. I don't have another way to talk about it. I don't have a better explanation. I don't have any other words to use. All I know to say to you is that he gave in to sexual temptation. He did not hold off. And everything in his life changed. Now, here's the deal. All right? Everybody in this room... I'm talking about you too. Every one of us have given in to temptation. Every one of us. In fact, everybody who has ever lived in the history of the world and reached an age of accountability, except for Jesus himself, has given in to temptation. So, you know, I'm not like talking about something nobody here can relate to. I mean, we're all in. Everybody in the room this morning, at some point in your life, has given in to temptation. You ever found yourself laying in bed on Sunday morning and you heard the rain hitting the roof and you were tempted just to lay there? <laughs> Man, this is a lot of rain today, isn't it? And I think some of your, you know, you know your buddies kind of gave in, obviously, by looking around. Resist that temptation when it comes. But here's the deal. Everybody is tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. But you do not have to give in. I heard one amen. Everybody gets tempted. But the truth of the matter is you don't have to give in. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in the life of a believer, you have the power to not sin. Everybody in the room knows how this works, right? Everybody knows how it works. We get to choose. 
And because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is working you as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power to choose, no, I'm not going to sin. So I think there's a lot, a lot that we can learn from Joseph in this conversation. So grab a Bible, if you will, and open it to Genesis chapter 39. And I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Genesis chapter 39, the first book of the Bible, Genesis 39, verse 1. Okay? And so here is how the story is unfolding. We learned last week that Joseph has been sold by his brothers into slavery. And here's what happens next in verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now, I want you to read these next five words in unison with me, okay? And every time they come up, we'll read them in unison together. You ready? The Lord was with Joseph. So that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that, you want to read again with me? The Lord was with him. And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Now listen to this great promotion, okay? Potiphar put him in charge of the household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. I mean, what a promotion. Think about this. So from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything, anything rather, except for the food he ate. And so you might say, well, what's up with the food he ate? Well, here was the deal. In chapter 43, you learn that it was abominable. Abominable. Why am I struggling so much with this word? I mean, you ever do that? You ever have that happen to you? It was an abomination. There we go. For an Egyptian to eat with a Hebrew. So he says, hey, Joseph, you know, you can just take care of everything, the food thing we can't do together. So next, next verse. Here we go. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. That is a burden I have had to bear all of my life. <laughs> my, my dad, his favorite joke was, sometimes I wish I'd been born wealthy instead of so good looking. <laughs> Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. You know where this is going, right? And said to him, Joseph, come to bed with me. I, I don't think she meant she was tired, all right? These are three of the best words in the Bible. You ready for them? But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And sin against God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, Joseph, come to bed with me. Joseph, come on, go to bed with me. Joseph, please come to bed with me. He refused day after day to go to bed with her or even be with her. Okay, so now the story is going to turn really, really tough. You ready? Here we go. One day he went into the house 
to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. And so she called him by the cloak and said, Come on, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So now, when she saw that he had taken, or saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said, this Hebrew, now she makes it a race thing, has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak inside, beside me rather, and ran inside the house or outside the house. And she kept his cloak beside her until her master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us, he came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And so when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, you ready? The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness, and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. Really? Are you serious? And he made him responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because, here we go again, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is God's word for us today. Do you remember me telling you a story about a man who said, Growing up, my favorite time of the day was after I got home from school and finished my homework. And then I would take off outside and I would play with the other kids in the neighborhood. He said, After I'd played a while, I would hear this voice in the distance. My mom would step out the back door, the kitchen door. She would call my name and she would say, Dinner! Not only did that mean that dinner was ready, But it meant that my dad was home. My favorite part of the day was seeing my dad because my dad was my hero. He was my biggest fan. I was his biggest fan. I was nuts about my dad. So one day, I came home from school. I did my homework. And after I did my homework, I went out to play with the guys in the neighborhood. And one of my friends had stolen cigarettes from his father. And so we huddled up in a circle And he passed out the cigarettes, and he had some matches, and we all lit them. And we stood there, fifth-grade boys, smoking and coughing. And while I was standing there holding this cigarette, in the circle of my friends, I heard a voice in the distance. Dinner! And you know what he said? Standing there, holding that cigarette in my hand, it was the first time in all of my life that I could ever remember not wanting to be in the presence of my Father. My hero. My biggest fan. So when I say to you that you don't have to give in to temptation 
As a follower of Jesus, because of the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you can choose not to sin. I realize that there is another conversation that's going on. And the other conversation sounds something like this. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody sins. You can ask for forgiveness. I mean, my goodness, when you think about it, surely it's not that big of a deal. Everybody sins. With no thought to the fact that sin changes us. Sin changes you. And it creates something in you that says, I don't want to get very close to God right now. For the first time in my life, he said, I thought to myself, I don't want to be in the presence of my Father. Do you ever wonder how Joseph's life might have turned out if he had looked at Mrs. Mrs. Potiphar that day and said, Okay, let's have sex. And, and what happens when God looks at you and says to you, I love you with all of my heart. I love you so much. But I can't trust you anymore. It doesn't change the fact that I love you. I love you. But I can't trust you. And if I can't trust you, it makes it really hard for me to use you. So let's dive into the story. You want to? Joseph is a young man when we first meet him last week who is 17 years old. 17-year-old boy and his father loves him more than any of his other 12 brothers. And because of that, they hate him. His father proves his love to him by doing what? Remember, he buys him this ornate robe, this very colorful robe. And he wears it around, very proud of this robe that says, Daddy loves me more. And because of that, his brothers hated him more. Then he started having dreams. Dreams about rising to greatness, right? And he had dreams about where his brothers were going to bow down to him. And they hated him more because of his dreams. And one day they said, let's just kill him. And they plotted to do it. But then they decided, we don't really want his blood on our hands. That's not a good thing. Why don't we just sell him into slavery? And so they did. Joseph ends up in the home of a man whose name is Potiphar. Here's what Potiphar did. He was the head of Pharaoh's bodyguard. He's one of the top military men in all of Egypt. You don't want to mess with Potiphar, and you sure don't want to get caught messing with Potiphar's wife. It was in this setting, a different land that was very distant from where he had been raised, a different culture, customs he didn't understand, working for a hard man like Potiphar that Joseph somehow seems to excel. I mean, somehow he, he rises to the top. He, he, he's somehow a common slave. And don't, don't mistake this, okay, in your mind. He was one of many slaves. And somehow this one slave of many slaves kind of rises to the top and he's given a lot of responsibility. Once in a while, somebody says to me, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I have some cancer. And when I begin to inquire about the cancer, a few times 
I've heard someone say this. My doctor says, if you've got to have cancer, this is the kind of cancer you want to have. In other words, nobody wants cancer. But if you've got to have cancer, this is like the least life-threatening, most treatable cancer you can get. And I think it's a lot like Joseph's life. You want to be a slave? Me neither. But if you've got to be a slave, he was probably in the best situation a slave could be in. And when I dream about Joseph, I wonder, so did he get his life on quarters? Has he got his own room? You know what I'm saying? And does he eat well now because of the position that he's been given? And, and is he like an authority over other people? And so is he not mistreated as a slave? Are all of those things happening to him? Make no mistake, the Bible is really clear. There is a reason for Joseph's success. And the reason for Joseph's success is God. Because, you want to say it with me one more time, the Lord was with Joseph. In 1945, under Hitler's dictatorship, the Nazis executed a man whose name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German Lutheran pastor and theologian. He was only 39 years of age when they took his life because he became a member of the resistance to Hitler's Third Reich. We know him well because of his writings. His book, Cost of Discipleship, has become a classic. He wrote other things. Among them was a little booklet called Temptation. And I want to show you what he said in his little booklet, Temptation, okay? Let's look at these words together. In our members, in our emotions, in our thinking, in our hands, in our feet, in our lives, in our bodies, in a, you know, our members, okay, in us, there is a slumbering inclination toward desire. Desire. Another word might be lust. doesn't always apply to sexual. Lust doesn't, but it's just another word for desire. In our members, there's a slumbering inclination toward desire, which is both sudden and fierce. Anybody want to say amen right there? With irresistible power, desire seizes master over the flesh. All at once, a secret, smoldering fire is kindled. And the flesh burns, and it's in flames. And it makes no difference whether it's sexual desire or ambition or vanity or desire for revenge or love of fame and power or greed for money. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. Wow. When desire is set aflame inside of us, Bonhoeffer says in that moment, God is quite unreal to us. And Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. Do you remember a time in your life that you regret deeply? Where you gave in to temptation? And you wish you hadn't have, and you regret it. 
in that process when you were making that decision, were you thinking a lot about God? Or were you just trying to forget about God? I think that's what Bonhoeffer is saying. That the enemy has a very clear scheme. And here's the scheme. If sin makes you separate yourself from God, then I just need to get you to sin. And so in order to get you to sin, I just need to keep tempting you. And if I can just keep tempting you and I can get you to sin, then there is distance. But I cannot convince you to hate God because you're obviously prone to following Him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to convince you not to think about God. In that moment that you look back on your life where there's a great regret, were you trying to think about God or were you just trying to not think about God? You know what Joseph did? The opposite. (laughs) I think right now I should think about God. And what he does is he refuses her. Now listen to his rationale, okay? My master has put me in charge of his whole house. He's withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. And for me to do this would be a wicked thing to do. And then he says this, and it would also be a sin against God. Now focus with me for a minute. Here's what Joseph is saying. He is saying there is a moral component here, okay? So there is right and there is wrong. And this would be wrong. This would be sin, all right? This would be wrong. It would be sin. And I'm not going to do it because it's wrong and it's sin. Think about what a novel way to think about life. There are rights in life and there are wrongs in life. And we live in a culture who says, let's just kind of mix that up a little bit, would we? And who are you to say it's wrong? Or who are you to say it's right? And we kind of struggle with the Word of God at that point because the Word of God seems really clear about a lot of stuff. We just kind of mix it up. Oh, I I don't know who am I to judge and say it's right or wrong. And Joseph says, no, it's, it's wrong. It's sin. And because it's wrong and because it's sin, I'm not going to do it. Now, now just think about his pattern here for a minute, okay? So that, that wasn't the end of it. It says day after day, she kept coming to him saying, Joseph, come on, come to bed with me. Here he is. He's, he's young. He's, he's well-built. He's handsome. She, she's rich. She, she wants to have sex with him. She wants to fulfill her sensual desires with this young, beautiful man standing in front of her. And he will not say yes. And she is frustrated because she wants desperately to be with him. They are alone. Why can't we just be together? And here's what the Bible says. He wouldn't even be around her. Okay, okay, I know, I know. I'm not... I'm not, I've never claimed to be the smartest person in the world. I promise you. If you just talk to me, one, I'll just tell you, I wish I was smarter, okay? But here's what I know. If I am trying to not eat sugar, okay? If I'm on a deal where I'm trying not to eat sweets, I'm not going to buy my coffee at the donut shop. All right? I mean, I know I'm not brilliant. But I'm just saying, if I'm on this mission where I'm saying, I'm not going to eat sugar, I'm not eating sweets for a while, I'm not going to buy my donut in a my coffee at a donut shop. I'm not going to go stand and look through that glass at those long johns, you know, with chocolate icing and maple icing and nuts and the cream. I mean, 
I want a donut right now so bad just because I said those things. If I'm trying to not eat sugar, I'm not going to go to the donut shop to buy my coffee. I mean, I'm just... Do I need to explain further? So where's the point of your temptation? Well, don't hang out there. Joseph said, there's a right and a wrong, and I'm not going to do it because it's wrong. In fact, I'm going to remove myself as much as I can from the situation. And obviously, he didn't have a lot of power there because day after day, she somehow found him. And one day, it moves from verbal to physical, and she grabs his cloak. And you know what he does? He ran. He ran like my buddy that I play golf with. It says, run like you stole something. You know what you can do? You can run. Did you, know, did you know that God promises you in His Word that you can always run? Did you know that? Let me show you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I love this verse, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll kind of look at it together. We'll put it on the screen. God says you can always run. No temptation. No temptation. Whatever looks attractive to you, whatever looks... Okay, whatever looks um, alluring to you, whatever looks enticing to you, with this kind of a promise that there's going to be pleasure at the end and there's going to be some kind of reward. That's what temptation looks like to us. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So it's a nice way for the Bible to kind of say to you, you're not special in that regard. Everybody has been tempted like you're being tempted right now. Other people have, okay? You're not the only one that's ever been tempted this way. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, here's the great words. They're coming. You ready? He will also provide a way out. So that you can endure it. You know what that's saying? God promises you today that you can always run. There's a door. There's a door. Every, walk out that door. There's a door right there. There's one there. There's one there. There's one there. There, 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 there. All the, there's doors. Every time I'm finding myself somewhere, I can always find a door. Get out that door. If you're outside and there's a car sitting there, get in that door and get out of there. You know what I'm saying? There's always a door. Take it. Go. Run. Just get out. He refused to because it was wrong. He refused to keep putting himself in the situation as much as he had the power to do so. And then finally, when the heat really got turned up, he just ran. Just run. I'm getting out of here. I got to go. <laughs> David Busick uh, He's your former pastor, and a few years ago he wrote a book. And the book is called Perfectly Imperfect, and it's character sketches of people in the Old Testament. And one of those chapters he dedicates to Joseph. And here's what David Busick says. You ready? He says, Everywhere Joseph went, he kept rising to the top. In his own house, his father loved him more. In Potiphar's house, he put him in charge of everything he owned. In the prison, he was given charge over all the other prisoners. Everywhere David goes, David says, I mean, everywhere Joseph goes, David Busick says, God kept 
given him success. And the question is why? And David Busick says the answer is this, because no matter what happened in Joseph's life, no matter what happened in his life, he kept doing the right thing. And because he kept doing the right thing, God knew he could trust him. And so David says, do the right thing. Here we go. David Busick says, some people will say, well, I tried to do the right thing for a long time, and it didn't work. And he says, that just means that your story isn't finished yet. God's still working. Just keep doing the right thing. So when you're tempted to cut corners and compromise because it feels as if you aren't getting anywhere, keep doing the right thing. And when you lose the promotion at work because you won't go party with the rest of the office, keep doing the right thing. And when you lose some extra income because you refuse to cheat your customers, keep doing the right thing. And when your boyfriend breaks up with you because you won't have sex with him, keep doing the right thing. And when you kick your drug habit and your life seems to just get harder, keep doing the right thing. And when you're following God and you still get sick, just keep doing the right thing. Even when you think no one knows what you're doing, even when you think that you've been completely forgotten, just keep doing the right thing. What? David Busick's a good preacher. So you find, you find Joseph the first night he's in prison. And it was a dungeon. I mean, the stories that you read, rats, filth, urine, everywhere. And you say, hey, Joseph... You've been doing the right thing. How's that working out for you? So how's that treating you? I think if Joseph could speak back to us, I think he would say something like this. You know what I did? I went to sleep that night in that prison. Knowing in my heart that I had done what was right. And there's not enough money in the world to buy that. I haven't lived a long time, 54 years, but I can tell you this, that in these 54 years that I have lived, never once in my life, never once to this point in my life, have I said, wow, I did what I believed in my heart was right in the eyes of God, and now I wish I hadn't have. Never. Never once. I have always been glad when I've been able to say, I did what I believed was right. So, we're going to look each other in the eyes for these next few minutes, and we're going to get painfully honest, okay? And here's how it works. It's like this. In these last few weeks, everybody in this room, everybody has been tempted. There's no exceptions. In the last few weeks, everybody in this room has been tempted. There aren't any exceptions to that rule, okay? 
I don't care how old or young you are, everybody in this room has been tempted. Bottom line. Maybe you've been tempted to gossip. Ouch! Tear somebody down. Create a little division with your words. Do a little personal slander of someone. You've been tempted to do that. In these last few weeks, somebody has. It tears communities apart. The chatter, chatter, chatter is bad. Maybe you've been tempted to seek revenge. Somebody's hurt you, and you've wanted to say something back. I, I, I did a little speech with Annette. I said, Annette, I could say this to them. That was just this week. I was tempted. And Annette said, well, it would be true. And we both looked at each other and said, we, we, we can't do that. A lot of idols. Wanting our attention. You've been tempted to desire control or power maybe. Or the love of money or the love of possessions more than you love God. Or maybe you have been tempted to abuse drugs or alcohol, or maybe you've been tempted in a sexual way in this very image-driven society culture that we are part of. But you've been tempted. Every one of us. And I don't know who's given in and who hasn't. I certainly don't want to ask for a show of hands. But there's some really good news here. And what I said earlier may have sounded almost kind of condemning or heavy to you, but it's not. These are words of hope. You don't have to give in because as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that is at work within you will give you the ability to not sin, to say no. You know how this works. We get to choose. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a brief prayer. Kyle's going to sing a song. I want you to listen, and I believe that God is going to speak to us through this song. You could come to the altar today, but you could also sit where you are and just kind of do your praying there. And then after he has sung, I'm going to do a benediction, okay? So, Father, let us learn from this well-built, handsome young man who had a wealthy woman begging him to go to bed with her. To realize there's a right and a wrong. And to say no. And to take ourselves out of those situations as much as we can. And at some point, if it gets tough enough and the heat gets turned up enough, that we just run. Speak to us now, I pray. See you.
for so long I'm tired and weary on my own but in your arms I I know I'm home oh God my God and take my life and make So you want to stand with me? And here is the benediction. I pray for you today that you will be empowered by God's Holy Spirit to live a life of full surrender to Him. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.